We have a speaker that's taking my place here. Okay. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. It's so great to see each one of you here today. And uh, I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing to be able to come and greet people in the Lord's house, people that love you and care for you. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to worship the Lord together. And so I, I'm so thankful to see each one of you that are here today. And uh, I hope that you're thankful to be here as well. I've tried the online thing as far as worship is concerned, and I believe that it's a godsend if you are physically disabled to where you're homebound, and I believe it's a godsend if you used to live here and you moved away and you want to plug in still. It's a wonderful thing. But if you're not disabled and you live here, you need to be in the Lord's house every day because it's not the same. It wasn't the same for me. We need to encourage each other. We need to pray for each other. We need to fellowship together. We need to study God's word together. And, and, and we need to worship together. And so it's important to get off our duff and the excuse of COVID in the past. It's time to get back in the Lord's house and enjoy uh, sharing. And, and besides, we get to eat food every once in a while like we're going to do today. And I'm, I'm highly in favor of that, okay? Now, if you are visiting here today for the first time or the second time, you may be saying to yourself, you know, who's that old character that's standing in front of us right now? Well, my name is Gene Lee, and uh, I'm the retired senior pastor of Laughlin Community Church. Our senior pastor, Ryan Stotler, has been enduring or suffering through a short-term illness. But I'm, I find that it's reported to me that he's doing much better. And the Pastor Ryan should be back in here preaching both worship services next Sunday. So I would encourage you to lift him up in prayer and to pray for his family as well, if you would. Now... I just want to add a, a personal word in regard to Vacation Bible School. Because, you know, over the years, I was here for 20 years. Over the years, Vacation Bible School has been a tremendous, wonderful ministry and outreach from this church fellowship. And if you're not acquainted with this church fellowship, I want you to know that you will not find a group of people anywhere that's more welcoming that more loves children and young people and families than what you will find in this church fellowship. And so I, I want to add to thanking Wendy Morrow and her VBS leadership team and all the volunteers for the great job that they did in ministering to these children and young people this week. And I would also like to personally thank each one of you parents that are here today who allowed them to minister to your children. And I hope that each one of you will see the benefit and the blessing that comes of it so that this isn't just a one-time thing, but that you see to it and encourage your children and your young people to get back here to this church fellowship who love children and love young people and love families. And if you're a parent, I would tell you this, your actions and your example are worth more than a thousand words to your children. 
So don't say to them, you go and do as I say. Say to them, you go with me and do as I do. Okay? Now, briefly this morning, uh, yeah, briefly, uh, we're going to talk about decisions. You know, decisions. You think about, you know, each one of us make decisions every single day, don't we? Now, sometimes it comes to where we're making what we consider to be major decisions. And when it comes to those major decisions, why, if you're a Christian person, a person of faith in Jesus Christ, then you probably have the tendency in those major decisions to open your Bible and uh, to study the scriptures and pray over them and ask God to lead you to make the right choice or the right decision in those major things. But we make other decisions every single day. And in the eyes of God, there's no such thing as a small decision. Every decision that we make is an important one. And God wants to help us to make the right choices. And Lord knows in this day and age in which we live, with the confusion we see in our world, every one of us needs that kind of direction and that kind of encouragement. So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about decisions. Now, I'm going to ask you to take your scriptures, if you would, please, and turn with me to the scripture you see on the screen in Ruth chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 1 through 22. I want to also point out to you that on the back of your bulletin, take your bulletin right now, if you will, on the back of your bulletin, you'll find an outline or the beginning of an outline of this message. And I want to tell you that I like to present it in this kind of form because even university graduates, some of them, don't know how to do an outline just with a blank piece of paper from scratch, okay? So it doesn't get done. But I've tried to give you a beginning here, and I hope that you'll make use of it as we go along because the reality is that a picture in your mind is worth a thousand words of mine, okay? And the, and, and the idea is that we might remember the things that we consider and talk about here this morning. So before we begin, would you bow your heads with me for a word of prayer? Father in heaven, we come to look into your word this morning. We pray, O oh Lord, that as we search your, the scriptures, and we look at the, some of these examples, that we might understand and see, Lord, how you stand ready to give us guidance and direction in every decision that we make in life because nothing's too small for you, oh Lord, and nothing's too big for you. So help us, Lord, to be sensitive to the fact that you are there to guide us through your word and help us to seek to make the right choices that will help us to avoid pitfalls that might come our way later on. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, keep your scriptures open as we go along, if you would. We're, we're going to learn some things about, I think, decision-making, the importance of decisions. And so, come with me to chapter 1 of Ruth, in verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So, a man from Bethlehem, 
You know, and, and, and now, I, you know, I find this interesting because you know what the name Bethlehem means? The name Bethlehem means house of bread, house of bread. So you remember it, it's where Jesus, the bread of life, was born in Bethlehem. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. And by the way, that name Elimelech, it literally means my God is king, is king. So here's a man who evidently had a godly heritage. He lived in the, in the little town of Bethlehem. He had so much going for him, and the, the man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the name Naomi means sweet pleasantness. That's a pretty good name, sweet pleasantness. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So, in this circumstance, you know, in this circumstance, they've, they've, they've come to Moab because there was somewhat of a famine going on in the area of They came... Yes, they did. <laughs> they came to Moab because they were looking for food. And then they stayed. They stayed. And now Naomi finds herself stuck in a situation where her husband has died, her two sons have died, her two sons married Moabite women, so all she has there is her, is her daughter-in-law's, and what is Naomi to do? So she decides that she's going to return to Bethlehem. And the question is, what will the two daughter-in-laws do? So if you go down to verse 15 of our scripture lesson, it says, Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Now skip down to verse 22 with me, if you will, please. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. So there are three important things that we see here in regard to choices. And I'd like for you to notice those with me here, if you would. And the first one here is the principle of willing choice, of willing choice. And there are four truths regarding this principle. The first truth is this, that we are free to choose. 
said, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. We're free to choose. But the second one is that you're not free not to choose. And in choosing, the third thing is you're not free to choose the consequences of your choice. And the fourth thing, one big choice takes care of a lot of little choices. So here is the second thing about choices. And this we see here is the problem of a wicked choice. Here was a man, Elimelech, who made a very unwise, it was literally a, a wicked choice because it was really outside of the will of God. He didn't seek God's direction. Uh, he was uh, afraid because of the famine and without seeking God's direction. He made a choice. And he went over into the land of Moab and he didn't just stay there a little while. He was there, they were there for 10 years. He just thought he was going to take a little side trip into Moab. But he went into Moab, and I guess you could say Moab got him. He met tragedy there in Moab because he didn't trust the Lord. He made a wicked choice. So consider the cause of a bad choice. You know, what was the reason for that choice? What, what was the cause of his choice? And there's three things here. One was that there was a wrong motive. You know, do, do you know what his motive was? Well, we've heard about the famine. It boils down to the fact that his motive was physical. He went there for bread, but he didn't go there under God's direction, and he didn't go there for spiritual considerations. He's not seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So therefore, he hightailed it over to Moab to get some food, to get some bread. What motivated his life was what buttered his bread. Now, a lot of people are just like that. You make your decision. You may call yourself a child of God, but you are motivated primarily by the material and the physical rather than the spiritual. You say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, I'm here to tell you that there's a great deal wrong with that. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, which would include bread, will be given to you as well. How many of us seek things first and then try to tack God on? We worship things and we use God. And what we're supposed to do is use things and worship God. And then we wonder, why isn't this working for me? Why have I got so many problems? Why are there so many issues? Why have li is life so confusing? Why? Why? I'd like to tell you something about God, and that is that God never has, and God never will work in second place in your life. Never. I mean, he's not going to be some moonlighting God, part-time God playing second fiddle. You see, the Bible says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You know, that's the condition. And then these things, and then these things will be added onto or given to you. But here was a man, he was seeking things 
and he was seeking bread first. Uh, let's put it in a different realm, the one that I really understand. What would you think if a pastor was serving a church happily and fruitfully because God had placed him in that place? And, and, and because of that, it was manifest that, that people were finding the Lord and the church was growing because God was blessing his ministry. And then some other larger church that could pay a whole lot more comes along and entices him or, or seeks to drag him or draw him away because of a bigger salary to the place where God has called him and the place that God is really using him for blessing. So what would you think of a pastor like that? You say, well, maybe you say good riddance, if that's the way he is, if that's what motivates him. And the reality would be that if he did that, the man would be a materialist. And you'd be right. I wouldn't have, I personally wouldn't have any respect for him. And my view, view is neither should you. Here was a man, Elimelech, who had a wrong motive. And the second cause of his bad choice was that he used the wrong method. He's operating by sight, not by faith. By sight, not by faith. And that's the wrong method. I mean, how easy is it to walk by sight? You know, how easy is it? We want to see it. We want it to be something that we can understand. And we just simply say, well, you know, a man's got to live. No, a man doesn't have to live. He's got to die. And after he dies, he's got to face God. Every time. We don't necessarily have to live. And things may not look like they're going to work out for us. But do you know what faith is? Faith is believing God in spite of appearances and obeying God in spite of consequences. That's faith. Not operating by sight. That's easy. That's easy. But by faith. And Elimelech had the wrong motive. He had that and he had the wrong method. But he also had the wrong master. You know, he got over into Moab. He left the covenant blessings of Israel. And he got over there with the ungodly pagans because, because Moab was a pagan, a pagan nation. And he found himself in the devil's camp. He, he, I guess you could say, if you want to put it in the terminology of something I understand as a guy that likes to watch old westerns, that he, he, was, he was a dirty double-crossing person of, when it came to the God of Israel. He was just a dirty double-crosser. And that's what we do sometimes when we make wrong decisions. We disgrace and dishonor our God and say, God, God I can't trust you. I can't trust you, God. I'm going over to the enemy camp. I'm going over to the other side. And that's what Elimelech did. Now, now let's look at briefly at the consequences of a bad choice. And the consequences were devastating. The first consequence was death. Death. I mean, when he got over there, we find out that he died over there. Can you, can you imagine a man of God with a name like Elimelech had, 
dying in an evil place, a pagan place like Moab. And his son took wives of the Moabites, wives who at that time did not share their faith at all. And then those sons died. Look at verse 3 in our scripture lesson, if you would. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. So there she is in a pagan land. She's a widow with two boys. They married Moabite women. That was contrary to the word of God. One named Orpah, the other Ruth. And after they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So here's a woman, Naomi. You remember? Her name means sweet pleasantness. But her life isn't pleasant now. There she is in a pagan land, and she's a widow. She's got two daughter-in-laws who are widows. Her husband's dead, her son's dead. Here she is with her daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpah. The reason that Elimelech left Bethlehem was for a livelihood, and what he found was a grave. The second consequence of this bad choice was deprivation. See, the reality is you can't run from God. You, you can't. You can't run from God. You can't get out of the will of God and somehow get into the place of blessing. Let me say it again. You can't get out of the will of God and get into the place of blessing at the same time. See, so many times we're praying. You know, we, we, a lot of people don't pray until they get in deep, deep doo-doo. They get in big trouble. You know, then, then they want to pray, you know. Well, you can't be praying, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, if you're out of the will of God. You have to be in the place of blessing. So I ask you today, personally, individually, are you in the place of blessing? See, Ruth was not in the place of blessing at this point. Orpah was not in the place of blessing. Naomi was not in the place of blessing. They were over there in the pagan land, and there's no blessing there away from God. None. I mean, I tell you, folks, if you want God to bless you, find a place of blessing where God can bless you. Get back where you need to be so God can bless you. He wants to. He stands ready. He's anxious to. Here they're going to Moab for life, and they find death. The, the third was disappointment. You can't run away. Here was a man running from death, and he ran right into death, and he found his grave there in the land of Moab, rather than staying where God had put him and where God had planted him. He couldn't trust God, and he found death, and he found disappointment. Look at verse 20. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. There's a flaw in her reasoning there, okay? But see, Naomi now changes her name from Naomi to Mara. So she goes from being sweet pleasantness to, mean, to being bitterness. Bitterness. And she blames her bitterness on God. I mean, there are many people saying, 
well, if there's a God, why are all these things happening to me? Well, part of them may just simply be the result of choice or choices that you've made yourself outside of the will and the direction of God. Our third key point to consider, the power of a wise choice, of a wise choice. The third thing is the most important thing. Ruth in this book makes a choice. Ruth, the Moabitess, chooses for God. And she makes a wonderful choice that not only positively transformed her own life, but in a very real sense has touched your life and my life as well because not only does Ruth become a beautiful picture of redemption and salvation, but Ruth became, she became an ancestress of the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh. You see, King David, here's this Moabite lady that goes with her mother-in-law back to Bethlehem and serves the Lord. She came from a pagan land and a pagan background and a pagan upbringing. She comes and serves the Lord, and, and King David becomes one of her descendants. And, and, and after the line of King David, down the line, the God-man, Jesus Christ, is born in that lineage. You see, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in that lineage. But Joseph wasn't Jesus' father. The Holy Spirit was Jesus' father. So he was God and man. And he's in the lineage through his mother of Ruth of Ruth. It's a wonderful legacy. Now let's notice these realities. What Ruth had against her. I mean, you think you've got it bad. How often we feel that way, huh? You think things are going bad, that they're going bad for you. You think there's no hope for you. And I want you to think about Ruth for just a little bit. You know, I want you to understand the condition of Ruth's life, where she came from. You see, it was a cursed life. She was under a curse. When you go to Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 3, here's what the Bible says. No Ammonite or Moabite, she was a Moabitess, or Moabite, or any of their descendants, descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the tenth generation. Why? Because there was a curse upon Moab. And folks, I want to tell you, there is a curse upon us. See, the Bible speaks of us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12 as aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. See, we have a curse upon us, and the Bible says in Galatians 3.10, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Well, the law said to Ruth, stay out, but grace, but grace, and we live in the age and the time of grace. Grace says, come on in, come on in, be in fellowship with God, come on in. Ruth also was dealing with a crushed life. 
She was a young woman. Her husband died. She no doubt watered that grave with her tears. She's there in the land of death and dirt and degradation. She, she just had a crushed life. You know, Ruth knew what sorrow was. It was also a condemned life. Her husband, who was to be her provider, her protector, was dead. There was no social security. There was no way for widows to be taken care of apart from the goodness of God. And just as her husband died and her hopes died but her husband died, we, through the death of Adam, are condemned. By one man's disobedience, many are made sinners. You know, there's such a parallel between Ruth and us. But against this dark, dark background, there is for us the diamond of God's grace. The diamond of God's grace. Don't say that there's no hope for you. Don't say it's too late for me or it's too dark for me. It's too difficult for me. It's too degrading for me. God will make a way for you. The same God that made a way for Ruth will make a way for you. And the reason for Ruth was that because of all of that, Ruth made a wise decision. I mean, are we ready, are we in the business of being willing before God to make a wise decision? The marvelous thing with Ruth is her life became a new life, a new life. Do you know what the Lord Jesus says? The Lord Jesus says in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 5, he says, Behold, I make all things new. New. That includes you and me. That includes all of us who will come to him in faith believing. Do you know what the Apostle Paul said? The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation. Now very quickly, I want us to just skim by here. And notice the seven elements of the wise decision. And you see these played out in Ruth chapter 1 here, verses 7 through 17. Resolute Ruth makes a decision. It's a wonderful decision. And I want you to see that decision right now. It was a decision for Almighty God. And here's the first element. There was a new determination. Look at verse 16. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. I mean, she's made a, a determined decision. Naomi, Naomi, where you go, I will go. Let me ask you a personal question. Have you ever, with every inch, every ounce, every nerve, every fiber, every sinew in your being, have you ever said, Lord Jesus, I am going to go with you all the way. Have you ever said that? I mean, you talk about finding the place of blessing. Have you, have you ever said that? Praise God. Praise God. The second element is a new direction. Look again at verse 16. Where you go, I will go. Have you ever said to the Lord Jesus Christ, wherever you lead me, I will follow? Wherever you lead me, I will follow. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be where you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do, Lord. I'm here to serve you, Lord. 
The third element is a new dependence. Again in verse 16, she says, where you stay, I will stay. Have you ever said to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm coming into your household. I'm coming under your shelter. I'm coming for your provision. I'm coming to live with you. Have you ever said that? Have you ever said that to the Lord Jesus Christ? The fourth element is a new desire. Again, verse 16, your people will be my people. I don't want to be with the pagans any longer. I don't want to be the one that's with the heathen. I want to be with the people of God. I want to be where God's blessing is. You know, one of the marks that we've been saved is we want to be with God's people. When a person gets saved, gives their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, that person desires the fellowship of the people of God. It's a natural thing that follows. The fifth element is a new devotion. Verse 16, your God, my God. You know, I'm turning from my idols, she said. I'm turning from those pagan islands, idols. See, when you give your heart to Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to let go of this old world. You've got to. The sixth element, a new dedication. Verse 17, where you die, I will die. She said, look, Naomi, Naomi, I'm going to go with you all the way. You know, I'm not going to get, to get there. And if things get bad over there in Bethlehem, I'm not going to turn around and go back to Moab. You know, Naomi, this is a lifetime commitment. And where you die, she says, I will die. And here's the seventh and final element. That is, she receives a new destiny. A new destiny. Verse 17, there I will be buried. Even death, she says, will not separate us. You know, isn't that what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verses 38 and 39, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. I count on that verse, don't you? So Elimelech made a decision, a bad one. Ruth, out of a dark background, made a wonderful decision. And that decision counts for all eternity. In my mind, in my memory, even at this advanced age, I can look back to that time and that place where as a young person, I got down on my knees and invited the Lord Jesus Christ to come into my heart and life and be my Lord and be my Savior. And I did say then, I did say then, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go, even though at that time I didn't want to be a pastor. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll do, Lord, what you want me to do. And I meant it with all my heart and all my soul. And as a result of that decision, all these years later, I'm standing here before you because of that. Because of that. It is decision that determines destiny. You are free to choose. You are not free not to choose. 
you're not free to choose the consequences of your choice. And when you make a big choice, you make a lot of other choices right along with it. And I want to tell you folks, it's decision time. It's decision time. 